everyone. Welcome back. Expanding the zone. This is show 29. I'm Shane Combs, svcsportzone.com, joined by my brother Matt, as, as I have been for the entire season one. Uh, speaking of season one here on Expanding the Zone, Matt, it looks like we were talking in, in some of our scheduling. Uh, we're obviously going to do tonight's show 29. What makes a great league? I think uh, I think this is a great topic that's really um, uh, you know, relevant right now and you know, coming down from the college level and high schools and different things that have changed over the last five to 10 years around Southeast Ohio, I know. And uh, then looking ahead, show 30 probably is going to have to be a two-part show as much information and and preparation as you and I have put into it, that's going to be our basketball state of the game, and that's going to put a capper on our season one. We'll take a little bit of time off. Not sure how long just yet, but I uh, know, Matt, one thing we're real excited about on our uh, website's YouTube channel, I know for basketball fans all over Southeast Ohio, uh, we, uh, John Bruce, who does SBC Sports Talk with me, he had done a thing through some of the quarantine that uh, was kind of a fun thing for people to do to go through a bracket and vote the best uh, high school basketball team. What was that like? Basically, of all time in the SBC, the Side of Valley Conference, and yeah, it right, through, right. They I think it was, through, yeah, 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 for the history of the official league, and they worked through a bracket and got all the way down. and And I know your 1991 uh, champ, SVC champion team that was ended up state runner up. Uh, uh, that this would be the 30th anniversary of that team. They ended up winning that bracket, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna put together a real nice piece. I know I've been able to put together some interviews. I've really enjoyed catching up with some of the guys, and uh, we're gonna put that together. So uh, we're in the early stages of that, but that is something I, I kind of wanted to throw out there. So with basketball season right around the corner, certainly have a ton of basketball coming up with the state of the game there on show 30, which will cap season one. And then there in our time off, look for that, uh, that special uh, feature that we'll, we'll be getting more information out there about that. So uh, on that note, Matt, I want to welcome you here. Show 29. I think we have a great one tonight. This, uh, what makes a great league? Uh, there's so many different factors and I guess each factor I started to put down on my notes. I couldn't help, but look at it, man, there's some real positives. There's some real negatives. How do you balance it? Well, man, that works for that league, but it doesn't work for, for this particular league. Why is that? So there, there's just a lot of thinking that goes back and forth that I've really enjoyed. And what's so neat about this is I know we have listeners, the, the, most of our listening bases here in Southeast Ohio, but I know from the feedback and from some different things we've looked into, I know we have some out-of-state listeners. Uh, I know we have listeners from di- probably six, seven different leagues throughout Southeast Ohio. So everybody's going to kind of have an opinion. Everyone's going to kind of have something to relate it to. And, and I think that's going to make for a, a really cool show that everybody's going to have an opinion on. Your thoughts on what makes a great league and why you think it, it fits as our, our show topic here on Show 29. Well, you mentioned the college stuff that's went on in their leagues the last few years, right? Where, where you basically had a lot of leagues sort of combine into your power conferences, so to speak. And, uh, and it really, it really changed the landscape of college sports. And, but then when you talk about high school, depending on what league you're in or whatever you're in, there's this constant sort of talk of, man, is, is this league, so-and-so's dominating this league or so-and-so's too big for this league or man you know the competitive balance in this league isn't what it should be or they need to add a couple teams or they need to add a division I mean right depending on where you're at you hear stuff like this all the time and I think that 
you know, you're obviously a vital part of the SVC, Shane, doing your website and your, and your podcast with that league and coaching in that league and having been in that league now for quite a long time. And I've been a part of that league for a shorter period of time, obviously, than you. Then I've also now been a part of a league for the last uh, 21 years now, the, the Tri-Valley Conference. And, and then, of course, just from our experiences of people we know, I, I think we have a decent understanding of how a couple other leagues work as well. And it's just one of those things, like you said, when you look at this, it's really interesting how there's some different dynamics and how some leagues, like you said, are really strong in certain areas, maybe not so much in others. Um, some leagues have really benefited from some expansion and some changes. Some leagues have really been basically destroyed or brought down by some expansions and changes. So it's just a real interesting topic. I think we're going to assume, like you said, because we understand that the majority of our listeners are in our general area, we probably will talk specifically about some leagues tonight. Um, mm -hmm. Normally, I think we sort of generalize, but since, you know, again, uh, a lot of our listeners are in this area, it makes more sense just to go ahead and talk about some certain leagues at times and to mention it just to be clear on what we're trying to get across. So it might be a little different in that regard. Well, and, and Matt, we're going to, we're going to get to so many different things. So I, I just want to talk about the general word of expansion that seems to be the big catchphrase here lately and in the splitting of divisions everyone's idea is we need to expand we need to have big school small school divisions and all this different things so we'll, we'll get to all that right now i just want to ask you about expansion about divisions like in college sports i think i think expansion and divisions and all these things have been done for football and money and I think it's flat ruined the regular season in college basketball in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think what happens is, as it gets down into the high school level, I think you lose what a league is. So the first question I had you that fits right into your conference, the, the Tri-Valley Conference, because I know um, from, from a while back, the way it was viewed to the way it's viewed now, you guys are in divisions. I know our mid state league here to the North is in too many. I don't even know them all. Um, I, I guess my question is once you go to a different division, if you don't have some sort of connection of bylaws or, or rivalries or playing or whatever, other than the name itself, do you even really feel like a conference? In other words, is it basically becoming two different conferences instead of two different divisions? I think it really is in a lot of ways. And I think it depends a little bit on how the league handles keeping that relationship between all of its schools. Because I can tell you this, in the situation I'm in, in the Tri-Valley Conference, we have two divisions, okay? And the Ohio division is, is typically your schools with a little bit larger enrollment, your hawking division or your, or your smaller enrollment schools. And I'm going to be honest with you, our divisions over the years have kind of been a little bit bizarre, really. I mean, at one point we had nine teams in the hawking division, which are the smaller schools, seven teams in the Ohio. Well, obviously it would make sense to have eight and eight, right? But we didn't have a good, we, we didn't have a school that was the right fit necessarily to come over to the Ohio division who wanted to come over to the Ohio division, knowing they were going to be one of the smallest schools. Uh, so we you know we had this nine and seven thing going for a long time. Uh, we had a school from West Virginia 
in, in our, in our small school division, which was that caused problems because like in spring sports and baseball, for instance, softball, they had to have all their regular season games in by a certain date, regardless. So we had to play double header league games and all kinds of craziness at times, you know, um, they're no longer in the league. Uh, another team dropped out. So right now, you know, we're at seven and seven in our conference, but to answer your question, when I came in to the Tri-Valley Conference 21 years ago now, the first couple years I was coaching basketball, we were we had whatever word you want to use, forced or required crossover games in basketball. So we would play your 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 league or your division teams twice, all right? And then you would play three you would play at the time there were six schools in the, in the, in the small school division, you would play three of those schools each year in basketball. Okay. They, they were on your schedule. They were crossover games, regardless, you were going to play those three and it rotated the next year you play the other three. But my point is when they did that, there was a little bit of connection at least where, okay, we play these schools in basketball. Maybe we play these schools in baseball occasionally. When they, they did away with that, mainly because some of the scores got lopsided. It wasn't very competitive. It, it wasn't necessarily benefiting the school that won by a lot or the school that lost by a lot. So they kind of did away with that. But, and I understand why, but here's the deal. It's like what you said. If there's not some level of competition between the two or some level of connection between the divisions, what you really are is just different leagues altogether. Um, and, and where it causes a problem is this, you have two divisions, like in our case, that are in totally opposite situations. One division has a little bit bigger enrollments. Maybe they offer some sports that the other schools don't offer. Maybe they have consistently have freshman boys basketball or consistently have, you know, um, JV football, seventh and eighth grade football, right? Where some of the smaller schools, Shane, you've taught and, and coached at a smaller school for a long time. Now you guys have great numbers, but you don't understand what I'm saying. It's like sometimes certain sports you struggle, you know, with numbers or whatever at a smaller school. We're under one set of bylaws. And that becomes very difficult when there's one set of rules for two different leagues, basically, or two different divisions that are fighting different issues. Does that make sense? You have totally different issues, but you have one set of rules because you're trying to remain one league. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't know if there's, I guess you could say maybe there's a financial benefit because like, you know, people pay league dues and it goes into one pot of money, but wouldn't that be the same thing if you split up and just had different leagues altogether? I don't know. I, 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 I would, I'd be interested. You mentioned the mid-state league. I think they have like three divisions and a bunch of school, maybe four. I don't even know how many divisions they have there. I should have done my homework, but, but I would it makes that. my herd try to figure that. My well, to figure that. I mean, I would, I would love to ask them, Hey, what has been the benefit over the years? Because I guarantee you the biggest schools in their league aren't playing the smallest schools in their league ever, right. ever. Right. Um, so what, you know, what's the point, I guess, like what, what is the, what is the relationship? What keeps it really being a league, one league instead of, of separate leagues? You know, Matt, I, you, you mentioned uh, being a part of a league for a long time. I, I guess I got to thinking there when you said that I'm 43 years old, so about 35 years now from 
you know, an elementary player to being a manager to a junior high player, high school player, uh, coach of multiple sports at multiple levels, girls and boys. And so, and then doing the website for 13 years, SVC sports talk for 10. It's, it's, it has the, the league, uh, the side of Valley conference has certainly meant a lot to me and has played a big, big role in my life for sure. And, and I know the one thing that's probably the foundation of our league is the fact that it's been a league a long time and that the geography is so close. And I, I wanted to talk to you about geography. And I mean, in our league, that we, we are pretty spoiled. Um, we stay pretty much inside uh, one county with the exception of uh, we're here in Ross County with the exception of Westfall to the north and Pickaway County and Piketon to the south there in Pike County. And, but you're talking about probably the furthest trip would be maybe 55 minutes to an hour. And that would be the Pike and Westfall trip. Other than that, the more common trip is probably about 30 minutes, you know, maybe. Um, and and there, there's certainly a lot of advantages of that. I mean, in, t- in today's time with bus fees and, and concerns of travel and um, it usually makes for better gates you know, people are more parents and family and friends are more likely to travel on the road as well. Crowds in our league, uh, obviously this year has been different, but in most years, crowds in our league are tremendous. Atmospheres are amazing. There's certainly a lot of advantages. Now on the disadvantage side, that there are some, some, some unique things. We, we share a lot of media sources that, that leads to a lot of, uh, being politically correct, uh, trying to spread the wealth, trying to do a lot of different things, um, trying to share the resources. Uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, you, you still get those rivalries. They're probably a little bit different. Um, you know, I, I know like in, in some conferences that are spread out, the one thing you do gets a little bit of that town versus town. You know what I mean? Like when right. you're traveling on the road, you're right. leaving your town and there's no, there's no, uh, <laughs> being politically correct about it. You know, you right. go from this town to this town and they're not rooting for you. Right. Um, I, so I guess I would just ask you first on geography, as you hear me say some of those things, um, I, I probably would say the advantages outweigh any of the disadvantages I come up with, because let's face it, you, you know, we're not just talking about traveling for a football Friday night. We're, we're talking about, you know, junior high volleyball, junior high basketball, baseball, softball, track, all these schools, all year long, you're making these bus trips. I assume the AD and you and so forth certainly would see a benefit of geography and, and being close. Yeah. I was getting ready to say what you just said on that. I mean, I agree. I think, I think location, it's kind of like buying a house, right? Location, location, location. And I think that's one of the biggest advantages for a league, honestly, is the close knit geography. I understand what you're saying about, some potential negatives, but I just think the positives, like you said, far outweigh. I mean, when you consider having uh, your, 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 you said average bus trip being a half hour less. I would say that's about right. About a half hour. I mean, for some schools, uh, you you know, the centrally located schools barely ever get a half hour trip, maybe a couple Mm -hmm. times. Right. And then the rest are, but yeah, I mean, you just said your, your furthest, your furthest trips about an hour to give you an idea in our league. I have, I have two league trips, maybe three that border line are about an hour, you know, within our league. I mean, maybe not quite, but kind of flirting with an hour. And like you, you mentioned, and this is what a lot of people don't understand. I think a lot of people think, well, 
Well, I mean, what's the big deal on a football Friday night humping in a car and driving 55 minutes? Well, yeah, but you're not, that's not the only sport that's played. You mentioned it, right? You've got junior high sports. You've got volleyball and girls basketball that are on weeknights most of the time. You have the daylight, what I call the daylight sports, right? The sports that have to have daylight, whether it's Mm -hmm. tennis, baseball, softball, golf, you know, you, you know, for us, for instance, we don't get out of school till three 30. Now that's not the league's fault. That's ours. Okay. But three 30. And if you've got a four 30 baseball game an hour away, it doesn't mm-hmm. take a genius to realize you're getting out of school early. We, our kids miss ninth period quite a bit at our school, you know? Um, and so that's academic time. If you're a baseball softball kid or a golf kid, a track kid, in some cases, um, you're tennis you're missing some academic time having to travel so far you know to get on a bus before school's even out to travel um you mentioned the rivalries i think that's huge i mean i think the crowds you know in the svc are always phenomenal uh in the tvc uh just the ohio division which is seven schools involves five counties now think about that seven schools five counties so you're pro- you're pretty spread out there uh so the, the the average bus trip um you know is probably i'm guessing more in that 40 uh, 35 to 40 minute range on average you know for most people i want to i want to shift gears though shane and ask you something too because you brought it up the media situation um with with you know, a league like the SVC that's all in one, you know, kind of one spot, right? Covered by mostly one radio station, covered by mostly one newspaper, correct? Uh, covered by your website. Uh, the, there's some, the positives with that, I think, are because so many schools are being covered by those media outlets, those media outlets typically are pretty thorough, you know, and, 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 and they've got the financial backing in some situations to really cover the league well. But you mentioned it. Do you spread yourself thin a little bit too and not – I mean, like I think like the, the scoreboard shows a neat thing in, in the SVC that not every league has, that Friday night call-in show where the coaches call in. Your website's obviously unique. I mean, how many leagues have a website that, that has a podcast about their league, right? Very few that I know of. So there's some real benefits to that. Uh, but again, you mentioned some of the negatives maybe being, well, you've got to kind of scratch everybody's back, right? Or try to keep everybody happy because you're covering all these. Whereas, you know, the Vinton County radio station or newspaper, they're just covering Vinton County. The Megs radio is just covering Megs, Nelsonville, so forth. You know what I mean? So I guess, I, I guess when you weigh good versus bad there, I can tell you this. I feel like for whatever reason, the athletes in like say an SVC or the athletes in a mid-state league. I feel like for whatever reason, they, they get a little more publicity. And I don't know whether it's just because everybody's so close knit and they're all reading the same paper and they're all listening to the same radio, the same website. Is that why you think maybe it appears like they, they get better publicity or am I off on that? I mean, I, well, I, I think, I think where like our website's so unique is that it's it's more of a hobby. You know what I mean? Like right. like I yeah, yeah, we're media, but like I've had to like train myself to think of myself as media because as I always joke on SVC Sports Talk, I'm just a 
fat old dude that can't play anymore. So now I sit and talk about it. You know what I mean? Right, like right. it's, I, I, you know, like, like we have WKKJs, our radio here that, that does outstanding work. They really do, but it's like any business financially, they have to have certain support to get certain games on the air. And, and, and as I talked to Mike Smith over the years, he's, he's taught me a lot about how the, the, the different channels they have to go through and so forth. Well, what happens though, Matt Piketon does have their own uh, smaller radio station uh, down to the, the Southern part of our league, but then to the North, we don't really have much. So a lot of times WKKJ's picked up some mid state league. I know like on the scoreboard show, I just love coaching and I love different things. So I'll listen and talk to it. But I know a lot of people, what they've said over the years is, man, wouldn't it be cool with the SBC just dominated that scoreboard show to where you could really listen to some of these coaches be interviewed for like, you know, a little bit, you know, thorough, like 10 minutes long or, or have right. some players on and right. talk to them a little bit or, or so forth. And I think that's where they get spread thin. I think what happens though, sometimes is your, your league probably isn't quite your, your league's probably on the smaller scale of these individual towns that have their own media. So maybe they don't have a lot of the financial ability to do some of the things with the radio and with the newspaper and so forth that maybe you would get if you, if you jumped up just a little bit in, in a, in a bigger city or bigger, uh, some of the bigger schools or so forth. So uh, I think, I think what happens a lot of times with the media sources is how much do they have to cover? And they start to get, they start to get a little thin in terms of being pulled in so many different directions. Now we certainly have had uh, different things that have, that have grown in our area. Sosa, uh, the website, but even then Sosa is a, is, is a website that's trying to cover five, six different leagues. If I count them all up across the way. So it's, it's a widespread area. Uh, that they jump out and, and cover quite a bit. So that that's kind of the, the media thing is, let's face it, media is really, really growing. Uh, it's not going anywhere. And that's going to kind of lead me into some points later that I'll probably come back to. But yeah, on your point there, I do think it's kind of neat to have those small town radio uh, people that when they're on the air, yeah, they might be professional, but they're rooting, right? It's, yeah. it's one of those things It's you know, yeah, that, I turn, can, that can be kind of cool sometimes. Yeah. Oh, right. no question. When I turn on some local radio and, and, and catch a Greenfield McLean, you know, they're all Tigers. When I when I listen to your game, you know, what I mean, they're rooting for the Vikings. I mean, it's right. one of those things that, and they, they, well, should they? I mean, they're still giving you a professional call or whatnot, but they're, they're rooting for their team. And that's just kind of a cool thing. Um, so that, that's something to think about in geography and how media is influenced by that. But, but let's face it, media is getting ready to go to a whole nother level now with, with what we're dealing with streaming and, and all these things that, that have been accelerated by COVID-19 because, uh, it's no longer, can I get a radio station? Most radio stations are joining the iHeart, uh, you know, you know, for the longest time, I know when, when you were coaching there out of the area a little bit, I'd have to ask you, Hey, do you think I'll be able to get this radio station here, here when I just get it online? You know what I mean? Right. It's so more and more things are, are starting to grow in terms of, of, of the coverage. And I think that's good for sports. I think it's good for kids. Let me, let me throw another one back. We'll just kind of go back and forth if that's all right with you tonight. Yeah. If I, if I look, let, let's talk competitive balance. Right. And I want to go two different directions here. So I, I'm going to ask you to comment first here. And, and I want to just talk, let's stay on advantages here. Let's really split this up advantages, disadvantages, competitive balance. 
advantages of having like size schools in your overall conference would be what? Well, I would make the argument, and I don't want to jump off of your question. I guess I would make the argument that the size of school it, it, it really ends up, if you look at it closely, only being one factor in the overall competitive balance. You know, I think, I do think for a, for a league to feel like it's put together fairly, I guess, there has to be some balance in terms of enrollment. Okay. I get that. I mean, I don't think that that means there can't be an outlier. In other words, if you've got, you know, 10 schools in your league, and eight of them are pretty like size. And then there's a couple smaller ones and a couple, a little bit bigger. I don't know that that's necessarily the end of the world. I think that again, it just depends because there's so many factors, Shane, um, that go into, uh, what makes a, an athletic department successful enrollment obviously can help, but so many times it's more of the location of that school, the advantages financially that school has, right? The, the, uh, are they in a location where, um, you know, for instance, is it, is it a school district that is, is land wise small enough? Are there a lot of people in a smaller, smaller area to where kids can get there when they're in third, fourth, fifth grade and participate in new sports or like a district like mine, for instance, you know, I could drop you on the edge of it somewhere and it could take you 40 minutes to drive to the other edge of it. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a problem. Right. Um, you know, where some districts are, you know, 10 minutes, you can drive anywhere in that district you want. So I think sometimes it's more of, you know, is a school located within 15, 20 minutes of about six other schools. Well, you know what happens then, right? You build a good program, people transfer in. We've done a show on transfer. Just face it's just part of the culture and, this, and the way things are today. Schools that are located in the right spot and have dynamic programs are going to attract kids. That's, that screws up the competitive balance of a league, right? Because all of a sudden now that team gets better and better and better and you start having competitive balance issues. So to answer your question, I think enrollment is somewhat important. Don't get me wrong. I don't think it's the be all end all that some people make it out to be, but I do think for a league to be set up the right way, the majority of the teams need to be somewhat similarly uh, sized, I guess, you know, and ideally uh, if a league's really going to be competitively balanced, uh, it'd be nice if all those schools had somewhat of the similar type of communities and advantages. Now that's a little harder to come by, right? Cause mm -hmm. you know, instead where we come from in Southern Ohio, there's right. some towns and then there's some villages and there's some little burgs and there's some little, you know, so not everybody, it's going to be pretty hard to put together a league where, where everybody the, the, shares the same type of advantages. Right. Well, and I, I think the obvious advantage of having, competitive balance is great competition, right? It's just what it right. says it is. It's, it's, it's great games every night out football Friday night and our league with eight teams is going to offer four really quality games. You know, you don't always get that. Sometimes you get a lot of running clocks you get, you know, or in volleyball, you know, it's going to be very competitive all the way throughout. Now we do get that in our league. We get a ton of four and five set matches. It's kind of an ongoing joke around here. Don't, you know, if you're going to go watch good SVC volleyball tonight, don't make plans 
because you're going to be there a while. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's so, so obviously competition is the advantage you get when you have that. I guess. Let, let, let me ask you this question. Not to interrupt Shane, but let, let me, let me ask you this though. What in your mind, because I think this is the argument that, 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 or I guess this is the, the, the million dollar question when it comes to this topic. Okay. What is competitive balance in a league? I mean, if I say to you, what does a league that has great competitive balance look like? Because what you just said, I get it, but let's, it's not realistic to think there's not going to be blowouts. There's going to be blowouts in a league, right? There's still going to be a great team. There's still going to be a team. that's not so great. They're going to play and there's going to be a blowout. I guess, does it have, does it mean that somebody different has to win the championship every year or you have to have all close? I mean, what is competitive balance? Because I think that's the, the tough question to answer. Well, to me, and, and I don't, I don't know the, the big word that gets thrown around today is parody. Well, sometimes parody can be very average. Sometimes parody can be incredible. Right. Um, like in the side of Valley conference, three, three sports that jump right out at you, baseball, softball, volleyball, you know, there there's high level competition taking place there. What I mean by that is the elite is really elite when it comes time to go outside of our conference and go represent us in the sectional district, sometimes regional level, where at the same time, when we're playing head to head throughout the year, there's no such thing as, uh, you know, you'll occasionally have one team that's maybe in over their head. You see right. what I'm saying? Like, like, like in our volleyball league, for example, we just had an 0 and 14 team win their first sectional match. Right. We have a 2 and 12 team that, no matter what the seed says, probably the favorite to win their you know, the, the sectional championship. So it's, it's a, it's that, that's what I, I guess I'm kind of saying there is, is in terms of high level, the product in terms of those, those programs, not to get on a whole nother topic, but those programs that are consistent, those programs that continue to push and push and push and push. Yeah, sure. You're going to have elite teams and you're going to have bad teams, but I guess it's, it's that lower extreme, you know, putting more and more quality. Like I know in SVC baseball, there's just no rarely, Rarely in SVC baseballs, they're just, you know, teams that just absolutely don't put a competitive product on the, on the field. It's, it's, right. it's pretty good high school baseball. Now, Matt, I'm going to shift gears on you a little bit here in just a second on this. But before I do, did you have anything else on competitive balance that you wanted to throw in there? Well, yeah, I, I, I do, Shane. I, I want to go over a couple more things here because what you said sparked a couple things in my mind here. I, you talked about, like, in your league, the baseball, the softball, the volleyball parity so to speak right or just how quality it is across the board when you start to look at some of those teams year in year out that are good and what, what and like you said which is 75 percent of the league year in year out's good correct and if you look at some of the best teams i mean obviously the dominant volleyball team over the last two and a half decades or whatever has been one of the smallest schools in the league correct and adina um you know, baseball, softball enrollment, for instance, doesn't seem to be the, the answer to that because a bunch of different schools have won the league over the years. And like you said, on a given year or given night, it could be anybody in baseball, softball, correct? Um, in football this year, the two smallest schools in the SVC were the two best schools. Paint Valley, the school you're at, has been a phenomenal football program over the last, what, 25, 30 years. Um, in our league, uh, the Tri-Valley Conference, Nelsonville is one of the smallest schools in the Ohio Division. You'll constantly hear about them in football, right? And a great football program. If they don't win our league, they're in the discussion every single year. So I guess when you start looking at some of those things, 
and you start looking at what makes a great league is that balance and that parity. I, I mean, I hate to keep going back to this, but does that, does that take away that enrollment argument a little bit being a factor? Now I, I'll even give you another example. And I, this jumps to something else. Should leagues move teams around if they're not competitively balanced? Like in the SOC, there was a team that's one of the biggest enrollments in that league got moved to the small division in football because they weren't able to compete. That's a great football league, right? That big, the, the bigger school SOC with, you know, Waverly and Wilson, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. West and Locusville Valley, Memphis, all these teams that are always good. Well, they had a team move to the smaller half so that they could be more competitive, even though their enrollment suggests they should be in the bigger half. So I guess what a two, two, two part question here. Does, is what we just talked about, does that hurt the whole argument that enrollment is everything? And the other thing, should schools, should leagues be willing, almost like European soccer style, right? Should you move? Like if you struggle long enough, should you move down a division? You know, should, should schools do that? Or is that just, I mean, I can't, I, I would think that would be a little bit of a scheduling nightmare, but some leagues have pulled it off. So should, should leagues consider that? I, I cannot argue with anything you just said in terms of some of those small school examples. The only thing that I've said over the years to that is you're talking about some some very unique factors that that are that are um, blueprint material is what I call it. You know, in terms of coaching longevity, community backing. Um, the only thing that you know might be unfortunate for some of those schools or are some of those schools doing what they're doing at the cost of some other programs in terms of, you know, for example, if, if I were to get into a discussion of, you know, schools being able to field teams at all levels, um, uh, all different sports, uh, you know, throughout the fall, throughout the winter, throughout the spring that, that other league schools are, doing you know what i'm saying so for example if it is a really unique football team um does that does that school not play soccer where three or four other teams in the league do play soccer right. you know does that team have like four or five cross-country runners where three or four other teams in the league have like 18 cross-country right. runners right. um do they have four golfers and they're going and trying to recruit a fifth and sixth golfer in the hallway where other schools might have 12 golfers. You see what I'm saying? So like those types of things can, can go, but I can't argue with anything you just said. I would say more so where I see competitive balance, if we're going to take it the enrollment way is probably more into the younger levels. What I found as a varsity coach in multiple sports, what I found as a junior high AD where it's very difficult sometimes for our programs to consistently hang in there and get better and better and better is when we're playing grade versus grade. Like remember our little league show we talked about, right, Matt? Right. It's very difficult. Like, for example, I'm an eighth grade teacher at Paint Valley Middle School. Well, it's it's not that uncommon for me to have every, I'll have every eighth grader every year, every eighth grader. It's not uncommon for me to have like 32 girls and 32 boys in a class. I mean, the whole class, the whole grade. Right, right. So when you start playing third grade versus third grade, fifth grade versus fifth grade, seventh grade versus seventh grade, that, that's that's a little bit of a tricky dynamic sometimes. You follow me there? Right, right. And, and that goes to that competitive balance throughout. And I guess that would lead me into my discussion point I wanted to ask you about. Is that a problem 
in terms of the structure of a league? Do you find that to be an issue when you're trying to structure a league from a scheduling standpoint and so forth when teams do not have those same sports, when teams do not have each of the levels throughout and, and you're trying to put together a league schedule and, and uh, just you know, organize your financial situation throughout the whole year and, and, and everything? Well, I mean, obviously those things do cause some scheduling issues for ADs. Now, whether or not, you know, they affect the quality of a league, I'm not sure. I think, I I certainly think like take freshman basketball or the ability to play four quarters JV girls, right. Or stuff like that. That certainly affects the quality of that particular program. I think, I mean, because let's face it, if, if you're a boys basketball program and you consistently can't field a freshman team, it probably hurts your numbers some, all right? Um, if you're a girls program and you can't consistently have a JV team play in four quarters, that catches up with you eventually. If you're a football program and you you can't have a separate seventh and eighth or you can't have a JV squad, those things catch up with you. Now, outside of just being a pain in the butt scheduling-wise for ADs, I don't know that it affects the, you know what I'm saying, the whole structure of the league other than just hurts those programs individually right i do see what you're saying though for sure on like you know and this goes back to that enrollment thing sometimes the bigger schools in a league they try to expand out and have more sports right so sometimes it evens out because you know you've got a really dynamic soccer program that might take away a few football players or like you said a really dynamic cross country that might take away some soccer or football players and they start sort of robbing from each other a little bit right whereas some of the smaller schools some of the ways they compete is they they get they tunnel it like they narrow it down right they trim the fat a little bit and say listen for us to be good at these sports we're going to have to put all our resources into these sports so i think from that standpoint it does affect a little bit of the league structure um i don't know you know does it affect competitive balance or anything like that i'm not sure um but it's, an, it's certainly an interesting dynamic, I think, within a league for sure. Well, I'll, I'll, let, me, let me go the other side of this here and give you an interesting thing that I've noticed. that when The SVC certainly had a lot of expansion talk there, you know, right around the 2005, even as far into 2010, 12, 15, somewhere in there. And here's i don't want to say save the league because again our league's so strong it's been together for gosh going on 40 50 years probably with some of the original members and stuff but like you know one one interesting dynamics this might see if you follow me here and tell me if you think i'm stretching i think the fact that we've had so much discrepancy in enrollment almost ironically has turned as a positive in our league and has almost saved our league in so many different ways because we no longer beat up on each other. You remember when we played the SVCs, the enrollments were a lot tighter then. So it's very common in the sectional formats to just all be together and beat each other to death. And there'd be like one SVC team still standing like into the district semifinal or whatever district final. And then, that team goes right now the way our league structured it's it's a little bit unique matt in terms of we get to the postseason and we go in every sort of direction you can think of and as a result a lot of programs have built themselves on postseason success so like like we have some very lopsided 
cross country and track. If you look at it as a whole picture over a 20 year period, but then all of a sudden when they split up and go to the different divisions and, and, and so forth, you'll see a lot of, of programs and individuals do really well. Same way in golf. I know in golf a couple of weeks back, you know, we had our first and second place team in the same division go to opposite sectionals. And then all of our other teams went into D3. You know what I'm saying? Before you know it, we and what we thought was going to be a down year for our league, we put like four teams and like, you know, another seven individuals into the district, into the district level. So uh, volleyball, you see it a lot. You know, um, what's what's unique here in southeast Ohio is we house almost two thirds of the division three schools in Ohio. You know what I mean? So like what happens, a lot of people don't know this. I, I did an interview one time for uh, JJ Huddle when I was working as the Southeast correspondent for them. And I was talking to a buddy over in the uh, Dayton Cincinnati area over that way about this one time about how, you know, in all of the Southeast district, unless Chillicothe or Logan floats back and forth, we don't even really have division one schools. You know, we're, right. we're very division two, II, division three, Based on what happens is like our volleyball teams, they spread out. There's three brackets. We send right. three teams to the regional. So it's, do you follow what I'm saying? A lot of times if, if, if a school, if, if schools are the same exact size and they're located close together, usually postseason becomes very difficult because they're going to beat up on each other where it's very common for the SVC to be spread out and to have three, four baseball teams, three, four softball teams, three, four volleyball teams making as far as the district final for no other reason. Yes, we're good, but for no other reason than we have an opportunity that most leagues probably don't have. Do you follow what I'm saying there? Well, right. And I take a step further too. a lot of times the disadvantages, okay. That maybe a smaller school has in league play week to week, right. Fighting those uphill battles. And you've, you've coached at, a, at the, the smallest school in your league. And you know, there's some, there are some uphill battles of that, but think about how much it prepares you for the tournament. You, you almost face an advantage once you reach tournament play. If you're, if you're on one of those years where you're in the smallest division, right? Because you're thinking, wait a minute here. I've played a couple division two schools in my league or some, uh, a lot of division three schools in my league. And here I am going into the division four tournament. So imagine, imagine how competitively ready you are, you know, and how tested you have been right and so i guess that would be the one thing the one advantage of being one of the smaller schools in a league is just how tested you are but by the time you get in the tournament but yeah i understand where you're coming from uh the ability to to play your tournament in different divisions and to have as much representation from your league going deep into the tournament how, i mean how, what great publicity that is for your conference right no question and, you know, we, we've really hit on some big rocks there. I, I want to start to go through some, some, some quicker bullet points here and maybe have quick discussion. These are things that, that maybe uh, people have mentioned to me as we've prepped for this throughout Facebook, Twitter, so forth. And, and I just wanted to get your take on it. And I think a lot of it is, you know, we, we live in a time where, you know, perception and, and, and certain things matter a lot more than they did 15, 20 years ago. And these are some really interesting topics. Let me throw the first one at you. How about facilities? How, how much does it bother a league or upset a league when you do not get schools that keep up with the modern day facilities in terms of just, you know, putting on a nice event when people visit for a volleyball game or a football game or a baseball game or whatnot? 
Yeah, I think facilities are important to an extent, for sure. I mean, one, the image of your league, because you're going to have non-league teams come in and play. Um, obviously, depending on, like, size of your gymnasium and things like that, it could even affect your crowds and your your financial revenue, I suppose. In some sports, like the sport you coach, baseball, the, your facilities might depend on whether you can play the game or not, right? I mean, how, how well somebody takes care of their facilities might mean, does, do you get a rain out or does the field handle that water? Uh, you know, or, or, or a football field, are you slopping around in a muddy mess one night and nobody can throw the ball or do you have turf or, or do you have a great grass field that's well taken care of? I mean, you, you see what I'm saying? So a lot of times the facilities mm-hmm. can even affect the quality of play, right? Sure. Let alone just the image of it and the financial part of it. How, how about even number of teams in a league? To me, the bye week has to be annoying for you down there in the TVC. The bye week in football is a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. I mean, we at Vinton County right now, we, we've had a week seven off week for years. Now, it's difficult to find a non-league sure. game week seven, right? Because that's bizarre. That's why I told you in year that in those years where we had nine teams in one division and seven in the other, it left you scratching your head like, man, wouldn't this be easier if we go eight and eight, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 in my final thoughts, I'm going to talk a little bit about expansion. And I know I know you may hit on it too, because that's the you said at the beginning of the show. That's kind of the the thing mm-hmm. now, right? People want to understand. Uh, you know, we have seven teams. Would would I would I personally love to add an eighth team, if nothing else, for that reason? Yes. It's got to be the right fit, though, and we'll get into some of that, the dangers of it not being. But if you could find the right fit and have an even number, yeah, I mean, I think it makes perfect sense. Now, do I think you can have too many teams in a league? Yeah, because I, I still think you want a little flexibility in your non-league schedule, right? I mean, if you get up to, like, 10 teams and you're trying to play everybody twice because you don't want that unbalanced stuff where you're not playing everybody, you know. So take 10 teams, all of a sudden – in football, you've got one non-league game. In basketball, uh, you know you've only got four non-league games, right? It, it, do you do you think sometimes you can get too many? T- I mean, what what? I mean, is eight is eight about the ideal number? I mean, I know you're biased in the SVC, but is, is eight about the ideal? Well, I think eight. I think eight's perfect because I think eight allows you, you know, your seven and three split in the one round sports like football. Um, I think it gives you uh, the 14 number, which gives you a real nice non-league balance. Um, uh, again, again, the, the, the number of eight allows you to offset some of that competitive balance if you're a program that's going through a little tougher time. Because think about it, in basketball or volleyball, Matt, you're, you're going you're gonna to schedule 80 or 22 on your own. Okay, so you know, in baseball, you're going to schedule 13 of your 27 by yourself. So I think that I, in fact, I I think in junior high, we we've done it for scheduling purposes. But I I'm not a big fan of the double round in junior high. I think we've done it just because it's easy. A play home and away. I I like it back in the day when we used to go um, the one round, give non-league opportunities. Then if some schools wanted to play competitive, I even I even know we used to have situations where we would play three times in junior high if it was a really good matchup and a really right. good, you know, gate and so forth just to get. So th- there's a lot of factors, but yeah, I think, I think eight, I think you go less than eight. It's not enough. Um, I don't like six and I think 10 is way too many, but I certainly think you have to have the even number. I think the odd number in the bye week 
is really bizarre how you guys have pulled that off. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure to be, to be honest with you. Not, not real well at times to be honest with you, but done the best we can. Let me jump to something, Shane. And I hope I'm not jumping ahead of one of your points you're wanting to make. You can come back to it, but you just mentioned the junior high thing about playing double rounds versus single rounds. Okay. Now you're the second coach in three days from that league that has said that to me, like, why do we force our junior high teams to play two rounds instead of one round? Because, because like you said earlier, if there is that competitive unbalance or imbalance, I should say, if there is that, okay, let's say there's one junior t- high team that beats another junior high team in football 50 to, no, or well, football is not a good example because play once for basketball. Let's say they beat them 50 to 12. They got to turn around and play again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Does that do anybody any good? Or I mean, 72 right? to four. And, and I assume that happened if you brought Well, that I'm up. just saying, you know what I'm saying? Like it's one yeah. of those things where, right. you know, th- the point you're making of, again, I'm sure it's easier for the ADs just to send out a little well, home and away rotation. But, but that's but the again, problem. Mm-hmm. That, that's the problem is, are we leading for the easy way or are we leading the right way? I mean, and, and, and this takes me into how important I feel like the leadership of a league is. Okay. And that's why I wanted to run with your point. One of the biggest problems I see in some conferences, and I'm going to be real honest, probably make some TVC people mad here. It's been a problem in our league is the leadership is all out of whack at times because the people that really understand how a league works and what a league needs are its coaches and its ADs. Okay. Because the coaches are fighting the everyday battles. All right. If you're coaching seventh grade basketball and getting beat 72 to four, guess what? You know how important it is not to play a double round and only a single round. You know, so if you're an AD and you understand some of these scheduling difficulties or some of these other difficulties, you uh, like in our league, uh, the ADs uh, have wanted to do our track, our league track meet a certain way. Remember, we have two divisions now. Right. And our league wrestling in a certain way. And it's been a battle. Uh, I, as a coach, tried to change the way we did all league for 15 years, Shane, before it finally got changed. Um, 15 years. Our league was probably 10 years late on the assigner that most leagues went to years ago, right? Having Having an assigner assign officials for your league. And I guess it comes down to me to leadership. And when the leadership is taken out of the hands of the people that know sports and know what's going on, you have some problems sometimes, to be quite honest. And I think good leagues have uh, commissioners. They have presidents who are sports-minded people who can make decisions, um, not just, hey, we'll rotate and it's your turn this year. And I know several leagues do that. A lot of leagues do the old rotation thing. Okay, instead of having a, a set commissioner and all that, someone who who can who can steady the ship, so to speak, over an extended period of time, right? The leadership and organization is crucial because when we get into our final thoughts, I'm going to give you an example, Shane, of a league that lacked that and made some bad decision and 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 because of that it fell apart. All right. But in whatever league, I've always admired um, you know, certain things about the SVC like the way they do their all league, the way they do their sports bank or their all league banquet. They still have a beautiful banquet for these all league players and make it a big event. Right. That's a cool thing. It's unique. Uh, but there's some things the SVC doesn't get right. 
I mean, it's just the way it is. And, and I suppose every league has its strengths and weaknesses. There's a lot of things our league, the Tri-Valley Conference, does well. There's some things we don't do as well. But don't you think, uh, if we're being real honest here, the success of a league depends a lot on the structure of its leadership. Who is your board of control? Is it your ADs? Is it your principals? Is it your superintendents? Uh, how much do you listen to the, the input of your coaches? You know, well, I guess what's your thought, thought, on, thought on the, the, I guess, the structure of the leadership within a league? Well, you lead me right into uh, the doorstep of my final thoughts of this evening with what you just said. I, I 100% believe that a conference has to have an outside leader. Now, listen, I understand they're going to have a connection to your league. You'd want them to, but it's going to be someone who has, has had the experience of working them, themselves through some administration uh, of athletic administration, some coaching, some different things. They, they've, they've understood policies. They've understood the changing of policies, what works, what doesn't, but you need an outside commissioner and fairness, the principles and this rotation thing that leagues do to be the president or whatever. I, I don't get that at all. Um, I can promise you, I have a lot of friends that are outstanding principals. I mean, right. I'm really good friends, really good friends with probably seven, eight, nine principals. I can just write a wall and I can promise you, especially the day of COVID-19, but I can promise you just in normal situation, they have far more to worry about right. than how a league's volleyball runs their all league process. No question. They have far more to worry about than if, if a football league should just get automatic number of kids for where they finish or if they should structure it this way, this way, or this way, you yes. need, you need an athletic leader who will constantly, will constantly, um, evaluate, observe, recommend. And when recommend in detail, a, this is a pro because here's what's happened in the side of Valley conference. You're right, Matt, for, for a long time, the side of Valley conference has done it right. They really have. But there, there's about four or five things that they're starting to get really outdated on that they refuse to catch up on. And it's because there's nobody that's there to make people aware of it and to, to show some differences. And anytime it does come up, what's the what's the message to the to the coaches or to the AD or whatever? You know, hey, talk to your principal. Go talk to your principal. Yeah. I'm not walking into my principal's office when they have this, 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 they're this, trying this to, run to run a school, a school. right? Yeah, I you know mean, what I mean, I'm not running, I'm not going to walk in there and say, hey, I wanted to talk to you about this idea I had for baseball, all league selection. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. It, it's, it's just absurd to me. And and what's happened is we passed it up and, and here's something, here's something I found in the day of media and websites and all these things, Matt, I, I don't think we, we get wrapped up in our league about how much the awards cost. And man, if we right. name this many kids or if we keep voting co here, if we do this here, that's a lot of awards. That's a lot more money. We're not going to listen. And, and high school kids can tell me I'm stupid and I'm wrong, but I've talked to some of them and, and I, I think I'm pretty spot on about this. It's not about the plaque. It's not about the certificate. It's about right. the honor of you're on that list. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? those, those like, things collect dust. They want yeah. the honor. You know what I mean? The, yeah. the plaque, the plaque is in m mom and dad's closet somewhere at home. You know what I mean? Right. It's the honor of, hey, you're on that list. Your peers see you on that list, and that's what we're missing out on. 
we are not honoring kids in the right way. And the reason that we're not just doesn't make any sense to me. And, and a lot of it really comes down to it's because there's no one in charge that is specifically in charge of that. I mean, to me, in a team, you know, if you have eight teams, 10 teams, especially a, a conference with two divisions like you're talking right. about, to me, having a an athletic commissioner that is – because Matt, what they're doing is they're they're establishing um, these thoughts, they're establishing these ideas, they're presenting them, they're help selling it, and then they're also promoting the conference. You know, what I mean, it's they're working with the media sources. They're looking to get those media contracts. Hey, why don't you come here? Would you be willing to do this, this, and this if we can help get you some sponsorship? Would you cover this many volleyball games for us on the radio this year? Right. Newspaper. What can we do to get? You know, they, they become an ambassador for your league and they cover they cover your kids better. They cover your programs better Then they start to highlight your school in, in those particular ways as well. To me, I just it blows my mind that in today's time with everything going on, that we still are stuck in a time where we're asking people that have far bigger fish to fry. To, to take care of these. And as a result, some of these things that are so easy, like people that are involved in this, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of the process, this, this, some of the stuff's so easy, it can be fixed overnight. Instead, it just lingers on and on and on and becomes a, you know, a, a 10, 15 year, like you just said, 15, yeah, 15 years for all league basketball. That is easy to fix here. It when is. when yeah. we could have, we could have fixed it in a matter of like one meeting. Yes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it really is that easy. So uh, to me, I, I guess I didn't mean to ramble there. It's just when you hit that, no, that I... was exactly what led me to my final thought of everything we just mentioned. The, so many times the reason there's not a common message is because there's no leadership at the top in terms of a voice of the entire conference and the goal of that entire conference. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not even going to add anything to that, Shane, because I think you hit it perfectly on the head. Uh, you know, the day-to-day -day operations of a league need to be ran by its sports people, its athletic directors, its coaches. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to add a member to a league, sure, the superintendents and principals need to be involved in that. Absolutely. No question. But I'm saying the day-to-day -day operations need to be left to the athletic people. And I think if you ask most principals, they'd say, heck yeah, man, you handle that. I don't want to handle that. I'm trying to run a school. Superintendents, I mean, I, to me, those guys are probably like, what are you even talking about, man? I'm running an entire school district here. You want me to worry about all league? So, yeah, yeah I, I'm with you. I mean, I think the day-to-day -day operations, you know, they have to be ran by the athletic people. My final thoughts, Shane, I'm going to jump into this area of expansion a little bit, if you don't mind. And Yeah. And I think <laughs> – this has even come up in the league that I'm in. This is probably what sparked this with me a little bit. I think there's been some talk, uh, you know, should our league expand uh, to three divisions and try to even out, you know, the, the, the divisions from an enrollment standpoint a little bit. And um, let's face it, I've heard some talk in the SBC over the years. Well, should they expand and make a bigger school division and a smaller school, right? And I think probably every league goes through this from time to time. My thing is this, and I said this earlier when I said I'd love for our league to add an eighth team, right, for, to, to even up the number. It's got to be the right team, though. You have to be so careful, I think, Shane, when you expand 
it's be careful what you wish for, right? And, and it's be very selective of who you put in your leg and how you do it. And, and I hate to open a wound for some people from this conference, but the best example I can use is that the old SEOAL in Southern Ohio. Mm, absolutely. Um, you're talking about a league that was, if I'm not mistaken, like a, like a hundred years old or something. I think somebody told me that, right? I mean, it had that, it was like the oldest league in Ohio. I mean, it was literally, um, from what I understand, it had been the longest standing league in Ohio. And several years ago, they decided to expand. They decided to add some teams. And uh, in doing so, um, they didn't, in my mind, they made some poor decisions. They didn't think it out real well. They didn't, they didn't think they added some teams that caused, and I looked it up today. One bus ride was two hours and 40 minutes in the league. Now think about that. Two hours and 40 minutes. That's not just football. Play junior junior high volleyball. That's volleyball. That's girls basketball on a Monday night, right? Two hours and 40 minutes. Two other trips were two hours. Okay. So just, just in that league alone, when they expanded, the level of travel became ridiculous. The teams they put in that league were strong strong teams in a lot of sports. Um, So what happened was some of the teams that had been in that league originally started to struggle competitively. They couldn't compete with some of those teams that they put in there. (laughs) What happened was a a two-headed monster here basically destroyed this league within a matter of just a few years. The teams that they brought in, they realized that, wait a minute here, our travel sucks. I mean, this is ridiculous. You know, yeah, we went into this league and now we're taking two hours and 40 minute bus rides. Right. So what did they do? They looked for something better and got out. The teams that had been in the league forever, they start getting their butts kicked. What do they do? We got to get out. So they started looking for leagues they could compete in. And now the SUAL is no more. And I know some of the teams that were in that SUAL had a heck of a time finding leagues, right? Mm -hmm. You see Jackson's over competing in a league with courthouse teams, basically, right? Or Highland County, uh, Fayette County, Chillicothe, obviously. That was the league they get in. They petitioned to get in our league. They petitioned some other leagues. That's the league they got in. Um, you know, Logan is not in a league still. And they were a part of that old SEOAL. Uh, Warren, Marietta, those teams have petitioned our league. You know, they've kind of been in a league here and there, but never a good fit for them. Okay, all because of some poor decisions in leadership and saying we have to expand. To me, it was greedy. I'm just going to be honest. It was a greed thing. The SUAL was such a proud league. I truly believe they thought our league could be even better. Being a great league wasn't enough. We can be even better. And in an attempt to do that, they destroyed the league. I mean, think about that. If you owned a business that had been around a hundred years and in five years you go bankrupt and you're living on the street, that's about uh, as big of an example as poor leadership as you can find. Okay. And it sounds like I'm just kicking those guys, but what I'm trying, my point I'm trying to make is when you're a league, like, you know, I'm an AD in our league. Um, you're an active member of your league in a lot of different ways. I guess the advice I would give, you better be careful. If you're going to talk expansion, if you're going to go out there and say, yeah, we're going to add teams, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, you better think it through. You better pay attention to enrollment. You better pay attention to resources, right? Because it's not just enrollment. 
you, you, you need to know what, what teams am I putting in my league? What's their history? Can we be competitively, can we have competitive balance if we put them in this league? You better think about what do we say the first thing on this show, location, proximity, geography, right? Because you start getting two hour and 40 minute bus rides. Guess what? That's not a recipe for success. So there's a lot to consider. It's not as easy as just saying, I hear people say this. Why don't they just add this team and add this team and take this team out? And add this? It's not that easy. And a lot of times, Shane, I think it's an overreaction because I think sometimes a certain team will be really good for a certain period of time and people just start losing their mind. Oh, well, this team's going to dominate our league. Well, then you have to stop and say, oh, wait a minute here, okay? Can we get a bigger sample size in three or four years? Let's look over the course of 10 years, 12 years. Have they dominated our league or did they just have the best run of athletes in the history of their school come through here? So they've dominated it the last three years. Does that make sense? I think you have to have a bigger sample size and ask yourself, do we have a reason to expand? Do we have a reason to change the structure of our league? You know, just because one school wins the football championship three straight years, you know, don't, don't you feel like you just have to be careful when you're making a major decision like that to look at all the big picture. I, I give a unique perspective here, Matt, because you've mentioned it. I, I coached at the small school. Um, obviously, I graduated from the biggest school. Now, when I graduated from there, it might have been the biggest school. It's obviously a much different enrollment then. But he, here's the point I would make as this would come up. The side of Valley Conference would be absolutely crazy to ever split or to do anything different than it does right now. I've said that as a member of SVCSportsZone.com, as an ambassador for our league, as a league that, again, has been a part of my life for 35 years, means the world to me. They would be absolutely nutty when I see everything going on around them and other leagues over the last 20 years. They would be crazy. What we need to focus on is making our league better. Now, unfortunately, though, there's another side of this. Individual schools have to, at some point, evaluate what they think is best for their kids. If that really small school feels, man, we're just in over our head. We're not giving our kids a chance to be successful. We need to go find something different. Or if that really big school be like, hey, this isn't really pushing us. We're not, you know, we're just kind of, you know, doing this and it's not preparing us. Our enrollment's taking us to a higher division now. We're not prepared. We're not having any postseason success. Then, hey, those are situations that the schools are going to have to sit down and figure out what's best for them. But if you're asking me as Shane Combs, SBCSportsZone.com, an ambassador for the league, we're absolutely crazy if we do anything to split our league up we should be using this this time and all of this effort to attack some of these things that need serious tweaking in terms of some of our scheduling some of our all league policies some of our bylaws and and our league could really take off to a whole nother level so you, you see what i'm following you, you follow what i'm saying there matt in terms of how you're talking about two different decisions when you ask someone what do you think that particular school needs to do compared to what do you think the league needs to do right right yes i agree and i think as a league you know as a school you're looking out for number one right, right. as a league you've got to look at the whole, that's what I was saying earlier. You've got to see the big picture in this mm -hmm. and not just make decisions based on a tiny sample size or what's right for one school or what, you know, it's gotta be right for the, the whole group. Um, it's not easy, obviously, but, but they need to be decisions that are well thought out and well planned. If not, 
like the example I just gave, you can get yourself into a situation where you basically destroy your leg and you have nothing left. So you, so, you know, I would just encourage people to really think those things through. Well, Matt, that kind of clears my, my notes and agenda. Right. Um, I, I'm going to give some contact information here. I'll give you the last thought. If you kind of want to take a look at your notes as I'm doing that, you guys can get a hold of, uh, of us through social media. I know a lot of people commented on the show. I appreciate that. Some people mentioned the commissioner there on Twitter. They mentioned some competitive balance and rivalries and being close and, and the longevity and the tradition of the site of Valley conference there on Facebook. I, I appreciated all those comments leading up to the show, and I'm sure there's going to be more throughout the week. So again, SVC sports zone.com. Uh, that's on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, you can also give me an email at admin one at SVC sports zone.com. Appreciate those Facebook messengers where I get a lot of feedback from, from expanding the zone. I appreciate that. Uh, as I said in the beginning, we are going to come back next week with state of the game basketball. It's something we've been advertising for a while now. We think it's going to be a great show. It's getting ready to, to lead in by, by the time we come back next week, most teams throughout Southern Ohio will start to, you know, if not already there, will have started uh, practicing and a lot of their fall athletes will be joining as the, as, as the girls and boys finish up their fall sport. It's just a perfect time. I think Matt to, to really talk about a sport we love, uh, the state of the game. We're going to break it down a lot of different ways. We're, we're thinking it's going to have to be a two-part show, and and I'll try to put some information out there this week to, to lead up to that, but I, I think it's going to be tremendous. So, so Matt, I'll ask you for a couple comments in closing. Number one, did you have any more uh, comments on the, uh, the league, what makes a great league discussion, and then do you want to close us out with a little bit of a teaser maybe leading into that basketball state of the game show? Yeah, you know, I think we covered everything tonight in terms of the uh, the basketball show coming up. I, I to me, I see it as sort of uh, two sections to it. You know, we're going to address what we think the actual you know state of the game today is in terms of you know what's working, what's not working, what issues there are, what improvements need to be made. A little bit like we did with Coach Bisher back when we did the football show, right? But like. And then I think the second part to that, and we've always talked about this on the show, is we don't want to just complain. We want to try to be a part of the solution, too. So as we, you know, uh, I think there are some things wrong in high school basketball today. And I think there, I think there's things that's got to be fixed. And we're going to explain those things, at least our opinion of them. But we're not going to leave you hanging. We're going to also tell you how we think they can be fixed. And we do mm -hmm. think there, there are solutions that can be had. So I guess that's what, uh, you know, the approach we're going to take Shane, sort of like uh, the before and after, right? The, the problem and the solution. Well, on that note, uh, we're, we're going to head and, and call it a show here on show 29. What makes a great league? I think, I think we touched on a lot of things tonight, Matt. I think we, we kind of given the big rocks, then we kind of went down through some smaller things that, I still think are very important that I think, I think serves as foundation when you talk facility and you talk different, you know, things that you know, add to programs and, and, and showcase schools. And, and so I just think very, very important. So I'm, I'm anxious to get more feedback and I, I can't wait to get back in the studio for what I think is going to be a great season finale there for our season one to cap off expanding the zone. So on that note, guys, we're going to get on out of here. Thank you. Appreciate the feedback. Uh, and, and really can't say enough for how you supported expanding the zone here in season one.